This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. How you doing, Jason Glick? I'm good, John. Yourself? Not too bad. Sweet. What do you have in store for us this time? Okay, well, it's another return to that endless well of um, stories and podcast fodder that is the X-Men. Now, it's like everyone knows I'm hardcore into X-Men. It's like I've done enough podcasts about them over the years, and I've been a devout follower of everything that's been going on with them. It's like, it's a, and, um, you know, it's like their most recent run that we've got has been one of my favorite writers on Brian Michael Bendis. Now, Bendis has done a lot of good stuff over the years, and I'm one of the, I'm one of the people who will actually vouch for his, um, his Avengers run. But, you know, it's like if you've been getting a vibe that, you know, I've kind of, that I'm kind of like off the train with um, his X-Men run over the last couple of reviews I've written regarding, um, you know, his respective volumes are uncanny and all new. Well, you'd be right because, well, let's just say that it, the bottom line is that his X-Men work, lots of good moments throughout it. The uh, overall storytelling, not so much. But let's go back to the beginning because basically this, Bendis um, picked up his um, X-Men work in X-Men run in the wake of the uh, um, X- Avengers vs. X-Men crossover, which found, um, you know, Scott, which we see um, um, had um, Scott Scott Summers um, branded as an outlaw for his um, for, after he was possessed by, possessed and went full on Dark Phoenix and killed um, Professor X in the process. But and while he was all prepared to be to be martyred for his like for his sins, he, he was eventually it was eventually revealed to him that he still has work to do out here. And um, it's like and in this and as Bendis phrases it in the first first one of Uncanny. This this means starting a mutant revolution. Basically, gathering it's like gathering up the new mutants that have that have appeared with with the um, it's like in the wake of the uh, the Phoenix's um, latest appearance. It's like and like bringing them over to his cause. Now, now uh, Beast uh, has seen his uh, has had his issues with Scott's approach to everything um, for a good long while now, and. Um, it's like he, and this, this is stretching back even before you know the Avengers X Men fracas, but um, so he realizes that, and so Bendis um starts off um his other series um all all new X Men with Beast um facing a um, um facing potential death from his from the list um men, um instance of his secondary mutation, and also realizing that hey you know what um maybe this offhand. Um, comment by Bobby Drake about you know if only the, the X Men, the young X Men, the the uh, old X Men could see the young X Men and see what they've become, maybe that would shock Scott Summers out of things. And Beast Beast goes, yeah, you know what, Bobby, that's probably the first thing you've, first thing I've ever said that you you said that I fully agree with. And God knows that you know when you're taking um, stray um, comments by Iceman to heart, you've true, got well and truly lost your way here. But we'll come back to that later. So basically, Beast. Goes back in time, brings the original five X Men, um, hims- young himself, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Iceman, and Angel back to the present in the hopes that you know, like they'll Scott Scott will see this, realize that what he that his approach is wrong, and avert a um, potential mutant genocide. Okay, now the thing is with um, with this uh, all new X Men, there is a, a very Definite um, end game for this, like for this concept of bringing the young X Men back um, forward in time, and that would be, oh, um, eventually they accomplish their goal. They the world is like 
um, the future is made better, and then they go back and Xavier mind wipes them, and and the and the past continues on as it is. Everyone's happy. That's that's not what Bendis is doing here. Bendis um, essentially with with this with um, bringing all these young X Men into the future. His ultimate end game, as we see at the end of his run, is that he's not. There is no. Um, ongoing story. No, there's no closed story he's telling here in the 41 issues that, that his run on the series ran. No, he basically feels that, you know, hey, bringing these new X-Men, these young X-Men to the future, well, that's... I'm just bringing, adding um, new versions of the characters to the, to the Marvel stable. Good job, me. Well, no, it doesn't work that way, and the fact that yeah, we had the big crossover where he had the future future X-Men and future Brotherhood from from the future, good God, um, come back and try to send these X-Men back in time. You know, it's like, and then they, and then eventually like the big reveal, big surprise of that um, crossover being, oh no, they can't go back in time. Why not? Because reasons. That's, um, yeah, it's like, that just doesn't work. I mean, okay, if you're assuming that, you can assume that, um, that with Secret Wars, um, the, the timeline has been um, restructured so that you know these that the, the past happened that allowed all the uh, past version the uh, past versions of the X Men to remain in the future and whatnot and it's oh god fucking time travel paradoxes it's if you it were um, the bottom line is that his run makes more sense if you don't think about the uh, like the logistics of why the X Men. Um, like why the ex- young X Men are able to remain here without completely fucking up the uh, like the time like the time stream. I mean, it could be that you know, eventually they'll be sent back, but I let's just say I'm holding out hope that eventually there will be it'll be revealed that they were um, cloned um, from the original X Men and that they were sent forward in time and that things will be preserved that way. Okay, but you know it's like there were, but you know like there were good um, good like good things in here. Um, you know, it's like the um, parts with the characters um, converse, um, meeting with themselves and conversing with each other. Um, like things like um, a- like Angel um, um, hooking up with X twenty three, and even that um, bit from the uh, Black Vortex crossover, which I didn't even bother with, aside from the uh, parts that were forced on me by having by buying um, Guardians of the Galaxy and all new X Men. When he um, ex- says that he accepted the power that this um, plot device offered. Because like he saw what happened to him, um, and realized, hey, I need to do something different to make sure I didn't wind up like that. You know, that's 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 pretty relatable. It's like, and also there there's some there's these the uh, fun superhero thrills of, how, of um like of standard of um well actually did like superhero s stories like um one down where the, the um, team has to face off against a uh, home invasion from the future X Men, and also and. You know, it's like, like ben, when Bendis is um, doing the uh, traditional superhero story, um, it, when he's in traditional superhero story mode, you know, he's doing all right. I mean, no, he's not reinventing the the, the uh, rule book here, but at least he chose himself to be perfectly capable of offering up, you know, stand like like um, entertaining takes on familiar familiar ideas. So that's been good, and you know, his dialogue's like all, always um, been um, something I've liked, but. Just the idea with um with his run on all all new and also oh god I have to talk about Jean Grey with Jean Grey it's like one thing I noticed when I reread the entire his entire run is that 
you know, her um, decision to just use her um, telep- telepathy to, you know, read people's minds, change their minds, that's um, really uh, disconcerting. And I don't know if he, if he, and the problem is, I don't know if he was actually playing in it that, to be that way. I mean, like when she changes Angel's mind early on to um, not go along with their with the team's decision to uh, when he wants to go back to their original timeline, and she changes his mind to not do that. Yeah, you know, that's kind of a big fucking warning flag right there. Okay, and then you've got other like other instances. Like the biggest um, one that I mentioned was her um, basically her decision to basically um, out Bobby because she felt it was in his best interest. I mean, okay, I'm cool with having a gay Iceman. See what I did there. But um, it's, but just the fact that the way she did it, I mean, it's like it's grade A super villainy right there. I mean, I stand by my my uh, my statement, my review that you know, if that if or rather when she goes full on Dark Phoenix in a couple of years and she just tells Bobby, hey, you know what, what, you know what, that moment when I told you you were gay, I was just fucking with you, because like, hey, I thought it'd be hilarious. So yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that it it. It, it plays best as. I mean, that's not going to happen because Marvel would get raked over the fucking coals for um, going back on on something like that. But it's but it's bad. It's bad work right there. And I hope that you know with um, that um, Jeff Lemire, you know, at least that he's writing her in the pages of Extraordinary X Men now. That he, um, you know, at least find some way to ad- find some way to address that, like in his in his run. But yeah, like I said, there've been there decent. Mo- like I said, decent moments in, it's like in um, all new X Men, but ultimately, it's just kind of like, it's it. It's 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 a story that should have been a closed loop, but but um is not because well, because like the because the um the writers thought hey it wouldn't it be, it wouldn't be as good it, he wanted it that way. It does have great art from from the likes of Stuart Monin, who can do no wrong. And also guest artists like um, David Marquez, um, Brandon Peterson, and Sarah Pacelli, and um, subsequent regular artist um, Mahmoud, Mahmoud Asrar. So yeah, it's like and yeah, it's like the, the fantastic art does forgive a lot of sins. At least it's really, really pretty. But um, you know, it's like overall, it's like I don't know. It's like for for all new, it's like I said, it's it, my my opinion on both of his. X Men titles is basically um basically the same here, and with Uncanny, I mean that this is Scott's team, and it's you know like I said, it's the focus of this is that well as we find out later on that that Summers has basically been um suffering through an ongoing mental breakdown um after I'm um, killing Charles Xavier and then just going off the reservation to declare a mutant re- um revolution. Now he's managed um to drag along um. Emma Frost um, and Magneto. It's like, it's like for his, because um, Emma believed in him what he was doing at the time. Magneto is basically um, trying, like, I'm um, bitter at um, Cyclops for breaking his powers through exposure to the Phoenix, which is another plot thread that you know why. I mean, why? Uh, you know, it's like there is enough drama here with um, you know. Cyclops dealing with a potential mental breakdown, alienating all of his friends and former comrades, being uh, uh, an enemy of the potential enemy of the Avengers, and um, training a whole new team of X- of X Men in the uh, former um, Weapon X um, former Weapon X grounds. But you know, hey, we now we've also had to deal with um, broken uh, um, 
mutant powers between him, Emma Frost, um, Mag- and Magneto, and also like you know magic to a certain extent. No, that's and a lot of the stuff is just kind of hand waved away by the end of the run. But it's like you know why even bother with this? I mean, yeah, it's like yeah, it's more drama, but you know he had plenty of fucking drama to work with in the first place. <sighs> anyway. I will give Bendis this. He does create a new, an, an engaging new group of mutants to, uh, like, to, for us to follow. I mean, I, I mean, it's like his, like the his um, work on the, uh, on the separate cuckoos is it's like enga- engagingly bitchy. Um, it's like his the new characters like like um time like um time traveler time bubbler um tempest. It's like he's interesting. It's like and um gold balls who's just kind of you know meant to be kind of like a joke character because all they can do is project balls of solid gold and that last that are only like, temporary but you know it's like, like he's just so goofy that yeah and just um completely um buys into his um you know his new nickname that you, know, you just can't help but love him and i'm look, looking forward to reading more about him because apparently bendis has um dragged him into the pages of um of miles of um of miles morales's um adjectiveless spider-man title so i'm looking forward to that and oh, oh and there's hijack who is the um Kind of has um, mutant powers that are probably too powerful for any one mutant to have, so he can hijack any kind of um, it's like it's like any kind of electronic device. So he'll probably be toned down um, in future in future stories if he's even um, brought back at all. So we'll see we'll see about that. But Uncanny is kind of all about Cyclops dealing with the mutant revolution, and um, there's like I said, there's some good stuff in here, such as um, you know, like these like um like the one like the uh, it's like the one one shot story where um, we find out the um that quasi chameleon Benjamin Deeds has um like he's not really like a shapeshifter per se he's someone who can like manipulate people by making them feel better about themselves it's like by by um by adapting them in their own ways um things like that's that's interesting things like the uh, girls night out that um unfortunately ties into the whole um it's like um in, like um emergence of new inhumans um arc is like is the least interesting for its first half. Um, the uh, um versus Shield arc has a nice, actually um plays off the uh, like um new Sentinels being deployed to um hunt hunt X Men and um the reasons and the reasons behind that actually play out um quite like quite well. It's like another example of Bendis um like following the super standard superhero playbook quite well. But um then you but um then you've got the whole um Omega Mutant arc nine goddamn issues of it and um then then ben and then um, him, him like um basically like cyclops cyclops and the rest of this um renegade crew being summoned for a reading of of charles xavier's will and i'm um, finding out that hey he's married to mystique why why god damn it i mean i mean mendes's use of mystique in this in both series is just kind of like does nothing to endear me for any further to character. I mean, just further to her as a um th- as an as just like an uh, unredeemable villain. I mean, to be honest, you know, I liked um, Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique in in the last several X Men movies because yeah, it's like she's she's yeah, it's like she's got she's um she's not really a good guy, but she's got her own ideas about how things should be run. It's like, and they're not entirely bad ideas either. But um with Mystique in the, both of these titles. I mean, it's, it's like it's one of those scenes like just kill her already, kill her already, then bring her back with a clearer focus on being an anti-hero. So there, but um, 
but the uh, the Omega Mutant arc is just like nine issues of that. It's a story that, that took nine issues to tell, but didn't need that long as well. And it's as um Cyclops finds out, Cyclops and the other X Men find out that Charles Xavier um apparently encountered a mutant that was so that had godlike abilities, and that he just basically um created mental blocks to um strip him of his powers. And you know, it's like now that um he's dead, he is um unable to um, reinforce these blocks and whoops, bad shit happens to the point where the cosmic reset button needs to be whacked um, thanks to Tempest at the end of things. And it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's the, um, yeah, and this is where we find out that, you know, Cyclops had a mental breakdown that he's just been winging it all this time and no. No, if you're going to um, show someone that has has had a mental breakdown, you need to give us clearer definitions. Just show us moments where where it's like he's like completely off of his rocker. But no, it's like this just Bendis just completely fails in this regard and undermines his entire run. I mentioned in my review of um, the Omega Mutant that um, Cy Spurrier did this a lot better without having to resort to the mental breakdown card. In um, it's like. And um, his X Force run, where um, Cable um, had resorting to increasingly um, dubious means to keep his team in line, it's like and, uh, in line in on message, and um, whoops, it kind of blew up in his face. But so there you go. And now what I've been waiting for in order to do this um, final this podcast is the uh, final volume of Bendis's run, um, Storyville Volume Six, which you know I went it it was being on sale for cheap enough. Um, through Amazon, but um, the but I'm going to give a very bad review to the people who sent it to me because because the fucking spine on this volume was split. So, yeah, thanks guys. I have to find some way to creatively creatively apply glue to make this look so presentable on my bookshelf now. Anyway, um, Storyville um basically starts off with um Scott having a, a reunion. With um with his brother Alex after he's decamped from Uncanny Avengers you know before he went full evil in the uh, and the aftermath of the Axis arc Axis crossover and um also but uh, it um it's dual nonlinear storytelling as he we find out we see Scott you know talking uh, reconnecting with Alex but also completely falling apart with his team as he sends them off to um sends the newcomers off to the new new Jean Grey school to be, for training and um. And we found out just what his um, mutant revolution was all about. And you know what? This was actually pretty good. The sole issue basically has Cyclops admitting that that the mutant revolution was nothing more than a threat. Because like after everything they've done over the years, like to um, foster a mutant human peace relations, the only thing they had left was threats. But you know, it's like and and Bendis also has um has some good. Good stuff with um, with Cyclops and um, Emma Frost as they they have their final falling out and it's it's like it's kind of heartbreaking because you know it's like you know you, you you hope that you know Cyclops would realize what he's doing here but he just can't because he's just so completely set in his ways and it's and it's bad but so in the end yeah he's left with he's left with Alex he's got that one last um thing card to play and then we find out about that at the uh, in issue 600 but then we get a couple issues where you know we get kitty pride and magic um rescuing a new mutant in the savage land which is fun it's like and you got and so i like the whole you know like the the whole um girl mance between them it's like they they have, they have good good fun chemistry together you've also got um 
Dazzler um um team um demanding um and in, in the subsequent issue Dazzler um I'm trying I'm um, helping helping to track down um Mystique and exact some vengeance for after she was replaced by the by the shapeshifter early on in Bendis's run. And that's a fun that's a fun bit too here because it, it shows it shows up some well deserved comeuppance um for Mystique after all of her stuff here. All this all the shit she's she's pulled here too. And you know it's like I kinda of it that um Bendis's punk re, um reimagining of of Dazzler kind of is kind of growing on me too. Then you've got um all the new Characters on Bendis created, I'm um, going off on their own to try and be their own superhero team, and I'm um, Gold Balls becoming you know the it, the it superhero of the moment before it's realized that oh wait he's a mutant, and so we've that um, the general public has to hate him now. So it was fun for a little while, but then like the whole shift towards um, mutant hatred kind of kind of brings it down, and it feels somewhat unnecessary too. Then you've got the final issue, um, 600, which basically is kind of the Part of it is the trial of Henry McCoy, which, you know, I don't know. It just, that part just doesn't work for me because, you know, yeah, um, McCoy brought the, uh, ex- the um, young X-Men to the future and um, he, okay, and that's it. Okay, yeah, he had the best of intentions and things may have um, gone, not worked out the way he wanted to, but hey, you know, the timeline is still intact here. So it's kind of... It kind of the whole intervention aspect kind of falls flat, but we also get um, other, I think other moments like with uh, Bendis, um, well, having um, Colossus and Magic make nice with each other, which feels kind of forced after they um, left, parted bitterly in the final issue of um, Kieran Gylan's run. Then, then there's also um, old adult Iceman realizing that you know coming out as well and realizing that he's gay too and just. It's like it's, it's you know it's like hey like more more complex stories like this with the character and I'm all for that, and also um, Gene and um, young um, young Beast um, they're theoretically coming together as a couple but not really because she's not in his um, she's not in the store she, they're not together in current um, X Men titles and uh, then you got um, the bit where they all get together as, as part of a, a mutant mart gathering like in dc and yeah it's just them um getting together but but i and uh, it's just it's, it's not really like them doing anything and some people will be annoyed by that but at the same time like the point is that you want know, all the mutants coming together and um war didn't break out between them so that's it's kind of a nice statement of peace that i that I actually kind of liked and and then you get the final two pages with, um, you know, maybe this is with um, Tempest um, confronting Beast about maybe this is this is his trial. Maybe it isn't. Who knows? And Beast basically kind of decamping from the X Men for the for the Inhuman titles as well. So that's the final volume. And much like the uh, the rest the rest of this run, some good points, some bad stuff, um, but just kind of like uh, kind of really fizzly follow through here. I mean. <sighs> I don't know when. Why didn't Bendis work as well on this compared to like his Avengers run? I don't know. Maybe because like the Avengers just wasn't really all that exciting uh, before. Like before he had, he took his um decompressed um di- dialogue centric um approach to it, and um but X Men had plenty of drama over the years. Was like kind of thrived on continuity, and um Bendis kind of like um got away from all that. And now, 
It's like in the end, now we're left with, um, well, I don't want to say left with, but because I, I, I liked um, Jeff Lemire's first volume, Extraordinary. It doesn't, um, no, it doesn't rewrite the rule book, but it does offer a the warm, warm, familiar, comforting hug of like, you know, of like X-Men stuff done right, if not, if not particularly new. And I've still got um, the uh, Dennis Hopeless's all-new X-Men to look at, as well as um, Cullen Bunn's Uncanny X-Men, which is basically kind of like X-Force led by Magneto, which, hey, I'm on board for that, um, to, to check out as well. But, I don't know, it's like, you can buy um, Bendis's, um, let's see, X-Men work in, like, um, big, thick volumes. Like, basically, like, like twelve issue, twelve issue runs, or two two volumes in one runs, one collections, hard hard covers like that. But I don't know, should you? Well, if you're as dyed in the wool X Men fan as me, then yes, you are probably going to want to read this stuff because I'm sure they're going to because enough stuff happens here that's going that they're going to like be referring back to it for years. But I don't know. It's like it'll probably. But I have a feeling that the uh, subsequent writers probably make this stuff seem a lot more interesting in retrospect than it does um, in the now. So there you go. That's my thoughts. Um, John, uh, any thoughts on your end about all this? I have one question. Yes. What is all new and all different about it? Okay, well, all new X-Men is, is kind of a... Um, it's kind of like a terrible joke in the sense that they're, they all new is just... Um, hey, it's like the old X-Men transported into a new era, which basically makes them kind of all new to this era. Jazz hands. Ah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All, all new, all different is basically Marvel's catch-all nomenclature for um, the stuff that's going on right now. Right, right. Yes. So um, just an interesting, um, you know, way of describing it, you know, um, uh, as all new and all, and all new, all different, you know, X-Men or yeah. all new, all different, whatever. Yeah, they kind of they kind of exhausted their 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 um, uh, it's like their credit with um using the new um, <laughs> adjective a while back. So now it's like all new. Now it's then it's now all new, all different. Maybe they could create a new word. Oh, and they could uh, for new. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, that's John. All I say, don't give them ideas. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be reading a new definition in Webster's. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know what you're going to be talking about next time. Next time, well, next time I've got. I, in the meantime, I've got a, I got a fuck ton of stuff that I need to catch up on reading, because I was busy um, rereading um, all of um, Bendis's stuff. So I may just, um, so I'm calling a mulligan, and I'm finally gonna get around to doing my podcast on Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' The Fade Out that I should have done um, back in February. All right. Well, sounds exciting, and um, I guess we'll catch you next time on Comic Picks by the Glick. That's right. All right. There's.